Hello there and welcome once again to Following the Truth. Today is Tuesday, May the 25th. I am your host, Gary Zimek. We uh, today on the program we're going to talk about what it means to follow Jesus, what it goes along, what goes along with being a disciple of Jesus, and um, y- you know it's um, one one of the things that can be difficult at times for those of us who really wish to turn our lives over to Him and really want to to be followers of His is the fact that we are not promised a life free from problems. And I, you know, I mean, if I had a choice, I wish it worked that way. <laughs> but I do understand that there is a reason, a reason things work the way they do. I think God knows more than I do. And I think I have to trust him to know what my needs really are. And again, you know, Jesus came to our world. The father sent him to lead us back to the Father, to repair the damage done by original sin. And um, Jesus told us what it will take to be his followers. And we're going to talk about that today. And then we're going to look at something St. Paul said that really ties it all in and makes it make some sense. So, um because I think this is something we have to we have to learn to accept if we're ever going to follow find peace in life, and it really is um, I would say paradoxical if you want to call it that. It 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 becomes a real paradox what it means to be a Christian. And Jesus did say, "Come to me, and I will give you rest." And He also said, "I'm going to give you a cross." So, you know, how do you tie the two together? Well, they they tie perfectly together. And that's the, again, the paradox of being a Christian. So, look, settle in, hang out with me for the next 30 minutes, and, and let's uh, let's talk about this. Because it's, it's one of those topics that I, that's absolutely critical for us to understand if we are going to really practice our Christianity the way the Lord would like us to practice it. And number two, if we are going to ever be at peace. We need to understand a few things. So we will talk about all of this on the program. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're you're able to share this this uh, share the table with me. I got a chair for you right here. So pull out the chair, sit for a little while, and let's pray, and then we'll talk more about it. Okay, sound good? All right, let's do it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord Jesus Christ. It is so great that you have risen from the dead, that you are alive, Lord, and that you are here with us right now. Lord, as your followers, we we sometimes struggle with some of the things you tell us. Your message is very clear today when it comes to your promises in our lives. And Lord, we pray that we can follow you better. We can pray that we are willing, we, we pray that we are willing to, that we can be made more willing, we become, <laughs> I'm going to get this right, Lord, we pray that we will become more willing to do whatever it takes to be your followers and to bring your gospel message to all of those around us. Lord, we lift up all of our problems today, we lift up our family, our friends, our acquaintances, we ask you to bless us all. And to draw us closer to you. Jesus, I pray for uh, a special outpouring of your Holy Spirit today so that I can deliver the message you would like me to deliver 
And I pray that all of our minds and our hearts could be open so that we would be able to receive, that we're willing to receive your message and put it into practice. Lord, we ask this in your mighty name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I had a little trouble getting it, getting it straight there, but I wanted, I wanted to make clear what I was trying to say. I was asking for that increase to do the, the Lord's will and, and to put His will before my own will, which is challenging at times. And, you know, that's, that's something we need to pray for rather than just try to force it to happen. We need to really, um, really make that prayer or put that prayer into, into into practice, so that we can be more willing to to do it, you know to do what he wants instead of what we want. Anyway, my name is Gary Zimek. This uh, name of the show is Following the Truth. I'm so glad to have you as a listener, and uh, we do this program every Monday through Friday. If you're a new listener to the show, it airs five times each week, and then on weekends. I have another podcast called the Gary Zimek Show, which enables me to talk about the mass readings for the Sunday Mass. So you can get both of those from any of your regular podcast outlets. And um, I also have a website, followingthetruth.com, where you can find out all about my work, including my latest book, Give Up Worry for Good. In addition, you can find out how to bring me in to speak at your parish or your conference, and, uh, and also to sign up for my daily email reflection entitled, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. So that's all available at followingthetruth.com. All right, so let's talk about this um, idea of following Jesus, and we're gonna we're gonna base it on the gospel from today's daily mass. Now, yesterday was a special memorial dedicated to the Blessed Mother, Mary, Mother of the Church. Now, today we are right back in to the eighth week in ordinary time. Remember, before Lent. We were on the seventh week in ordinary time. We had Lent, we had the Easter season, and then we are now back in ordinary time. So, they, so the gospel I'm looking at today is from Tuesday of the eighth week in ordinary time, and it's a good one. It's a good one, and it starts with a question posed to Jesus by, by Peter. One of the great things about Peter, at least I think, in in the gospels is, boy, this guy is so... So much like us, you know, he, he doesn't hold back. Peter is very imperfect and he, he doesn't try to pretend. He just speaks his mind and he asks, he starts by asking a very legitimate question. And I think this is one of those questions that you and me could ask the Lord and may have already asked him. This gospel comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 31. And listen to this. Peter began to say to Jesus, We have given up everything and followed you. And Jesus said, I, I mean, and in other words, like we've given up everything to follow you. What's in it for us? I mean, that's what Peter's getting at here. And even though it sounds kind of, kind of sleazy to, to ask Jesus that, I honestly think it's a question that all of us have either thought about, but we're afraid to ask him, or it's a question that we we may have presented to him. We've given up everything, Lord. What's in it for us? When are we going to see something in return? It, it's easy to feel that way. Sometimes when you really think that you have given up a lot of your worldly, whatever, your worldly pleasures 
in order to follow Jesus more closely, because you know there is a conflict between the things of the world and the things of the Lord. You can't follow Jesus. You can't love Jesus and love the world at the same time. And you know, I'm not talking about, that doesn't mean you can't ever spend money to enjoy yourself. It doesn't mean you can't watch TV or enjoy a ball game or something. It means, where are your priorities in life? Are you following the Lord or or, or are you following the world? And, uh, and yeah, that's going to mean at times you do have to give up things. I, I've encountered that over the past 10 years in full-time ministry. I've encountered that big time. And it's not easy. It's not something that I am that I don't struggle with. And that's that's where Peter's coming from. Lord, we gave up everything. Here's Jesus' answer. Amen, I say to you, there is no one who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present age. Okay, that's number one. If you've given up everything, you've given up your life, and we'll talk about that. what that means in a minute, then you will receive a hundred times more now in this present age. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to receive the same type things you gave up. doesn't mean you're going to get a lot of money by following Jesus. It means you will receive a hundred times more now in this present age. And then Jesus goes on to explain what you're going to receive. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. And I like how he throws this part in. With persecutions, you know, he's, he's giving you all the good stuff you're going to get. Houses and brothers and sisters. And, you know, in, in my opinion, I, I think what he's talking about is People in the early church were sharing their possessions. They were living in community. And, and as, as, as Christians, as members of the body of Christ, once we become members of the church or we get incorporated into the body of Christ, we do get more brothers and sisters. And we have a blessed mother and children and lands. You know, these are are brothers and sisters in Christ, members of the church. At least that's my take on this. That comes about once you have, uh, once you become a member of the church. But then he throws the persecutions in, and he and then and then after that he says, "and eternal life in the age to come." It's very odd that he talks about something that appears positive, and then in the middle he throws in persecutions, and then he throws in something else positive. Eternal life in the age to come. Now, did you ever, because I know I've done this, did you ever have something really bad to tell your boss or your spouse or your kids? And you sort of start out with some good news and then you slip the bad news in the middle and then maybe you end with some good news. I remember doing (laughs) doing that at a job I had. I, I I had some unpleasant information to give to my boss. And what I did was I started by telling him all the good news because we would meet periodically. You know, we would have a status meeting and say, okay, here's all the good things that are happening. This is, I'm doing this, 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 and this. Oh, and by the way, uh, I'm going to need this. And can we do this? And these were kind of like things that I really didn't want to bring up because I knew we wouldn't be happy. And then I ended with some, with some good news. So, so that's a technique a lot of us use. Sometimes it's very effective. But, but the question 
that I, I pose to you, and I'm going to give my shot at answering it, when he says, when Jesus said about all the houses and brothers and sisters, etc., and then he goes on to persecutions, and then he mentions eternal life in the age to come. Are the persecutions, I mean, I know they're unpleasant, but it was a reality in the early church. I know they're unpleasant, but are they really something bad? Or do they serve a purpose and can actually be a good thing? You know, like none of us are looking for storms in life. We, we, all, we all try to stay away from storms. We don't like to suffer. At least I've, I've yet to meet a person who likes to suffer. But we all understand, or many of us understand, the value of suffering and how it can be beneficial. And how we can learn in the storm. But are persecutions really that bad? Or, again, I know they're painful, especially for the members of the early church. Or did they help to strengthen the faith of the early Christians? I think what Jesus is saying is the persecutions are not necessarily a bad thing because he can bring good out of them. And, and that's why I want to segue into, as soon as I finished his first reading, I mean this gospel, I want to segue into something St. Paul stated when he was under house arrest for being a Christian. It's something he said in his letter to the Philippians. He said a lot of things there, many of which are hard to believe because he talks about rejoicing while he's in captivity. And uh, I, I think that's a, a very important lesson. I mean, obviously the guy's being persecuted, something fierce, and yet he's writing to the Philippians, telling them to rejoice because of his relationship with Jesus, which doesn't change, even though there's persecutions going on. But let me finish this gospel up before we go there. Jesus ends this passage by saying, Many that are first will be last, and the last will be first. Now, you know, here's the, the consideration for those of us who are trying to follow Christ in this life. We are going to have to give up some things. I mean, really to be an, a full-fledged follower of Christ or a disciple, we are going to have to give up our lives. It does not mean... We're all going to become martyrs. But what it means is that we have to put our life on hold, essentially, if we're really going to be the follow, become followers of Christ. We're going to have to make that decision to put Him before what we want, you know, to do what He wants us to do before what we want to do. And that's what it means to give up your life or to surrender your life to Christ. You hear that phrase a lot. But to legitimately do that, that means that before you do anything, I mean, and we're talking reasonable here. I'm not talking about before you eat your lunch, you ask the Lord what you should eat. I mean, I don't think we have to take it that far. We certainly want to thank Him for our food, but we don't have to take it that far. Do I have ham or bologna today, Lord? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to start a little prayer about that. I don't, I don't think we need to do that. But what it means is that before you make a major purchase, before you switch jobs, 
before you consider pursuing a relationship with a potential spouse, you know, and, and other important decisions that you consult with him and get his input, you know, pray about it and see what you should do. In, in other words, you don't want to do anything of major importance without the approval of Jesus. That's what it means to call him Lord. You know, if he's your Lord, he's your master. He's the boss. He calls the shots. But in order to do that, you sometimes have to, I mean, you you basically always have to give up some instantaneous happiness or gratification in this world and, and really postpone that that joy or happiness until the next life. Because the, the reward, the full reward of a, of a Christian is not going to be found in this world. But it's so easy to get caught up in that trap of looking for pleasure in this life at the expense of your spiritual life. You, know, you, can't, you can't serve two masters. And Jesus did say that. And uh, if, if we're not careful, we can start doing that. Yeah, I want to follow Jesus and I want to go, but I, but I want it to be comfortable. So I'm going to go to Mass each week and I don't want to do too much more because otherwise it gets too burdensome. And this, it, look, this is the way I lived my life for, for a long time. And I look back now and realize that's not really being a follower of Christ. I really didn't give up anything except an hour of my time on Sunday. And if we are going to be authentic followers of Christ, we've got to do a lot more than that. So really, that's what Jesus is saying to Peter. You're going to get your reward, but it's not going to be exactly what you want. It's not going to be a lot of money. It's not going to be a lot of possessions, necessarily. What it's going to be is a new relationship with me through my church in this life and the opportunity to live forever in heaven once our life on this earth is over. That's what comes about from a relationship with Jesus. So now let's look at that and and that's hard for some people to accept. It's hard for me to accept sometimes. I think about it and I think, wow, this is I don't know about this. But there is a joy that goes along with having that relationship that that at least in my case, that I never had before. You know, after close to ten years in full time ministry, we've had to make a lot of sacrifices. Going out to dinner is a very, very, very rare experience for us as a family we just we just can't afford it but there's a joy that goes along with being a follower of Christ and really following him something that I never experienced before when I didn't know him and I was just going through the motions so so let's look at something Paul said and I and I wrote about this in my email reflection today I think it's a good one. It's a great message for us. And it sort of explains how we can deal with 
this this relationship with Jesus, even though we're forced to give up things or, it, in Paul's case, to suffer persecution. So Paul was experiencing very literally what Jesus was talking about when he said, you will receive persecutions in this life. Paul was experiencing it for real. And in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 11, Paul said this, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I think that's a... It's such a powerful lesson for us, and I, I think there's a there's something in that, and a couple things in that that can be missed. And here's here's what here's what I like about what Paul just said. I have learned to be content. It was not an automatic process. It was not just the result of grace. It's something Paul had to do. He had to consciously learn to be content. He had to learn to be content in whatever state he was. So whether he was rich or poor or locked up in prison or being beaten or being shipwrecked, any of that crazy stuff that Paul went through, he learned to be content. And how could he be content? He could be content because of his relationship with Jesus. He knew that above all else, what mattered most was that he would have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that being the case, nothing else could bother him. And I I honestly think that's the secret to all of this, to to experiencing peace in life even though you are following Jesus and being forced to sacrifice because you're following him. When you do that, when you learn to be content and accept the fact that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, when you learn to accept that, when you learn to accept that he is always with you, it becomes a lot easier to deal with the fact that there is going to be some suffering. And if you get used to that, you're going to be able to find that peace that Paul found even though he was being held captive. Now, how do you do that? How, do we, how can we possibly do it? Well, this is where the grace comes in. Every day, I have to pray for the grace to do the Lord's will because every day I encounter some challenge, some threat in life that wants to make me or tempts me, that's probably a better choice of words, that tempts me to turn away from God's will and do my own will. Maybe it's because I'm lazy Maybe it's because I don't really want to do what Jesus is telling me to do. I don't want to be nice to someone. So we have to be careful that we pray for the grace to be able to do that. 
And if you do that, if you make that decision to be content, you know, I know that if I have Christ in my life, I have all that I need. You know, it's a head thing. It's not necessarily something we feel because living in a a, a material world, it's tough. Because I can say to myself, yes, I have everything I need with Christ. And then, you know, I I look at a restaurant that has really good food, but it's expensive. And I, I want that because I want that enjoyment. You know, and that's part of the fallen human nature and the um, the temptations of the world. So even though I know that through my relationship with Christ, I have everything I need, I can easily be tempted, I will be tempted by a lot of things which are going to threaten that relationship with Jesus. And Paul is teaching us, here's the secret of being at peace. I have learned to be content no matter what. And that requires prayer. That requires a lot of talking to Jesus. That requires a lot of grace. But, you know, I think that's really the secret. That's what it comes down to. Yes, following Jesus is going to result in a lot of benefits in this life, mainly in the form of peace, mainly in the form of spiritual blessings, intangible things. That's what you're going to get back as the great, as the, um, as the, the, the benefit of following Jesus. You're not going to get physical things necessarily. But that, that peace that goes along with having a relationship with Christ, man, it is tough to beat that. It is really tough to beat that. So I'll, I'm going to challenge you today to, to talk to Jesus and to surrender your life to him if you haven't done that officially. And I believe that's the type of thing you need to do every day. I make it a point to do it every day. Lord, I surrender. And then ask him to call you on it if you're not doing it. And one of the biggest ways we can tell that we are not fully surrendered to Jesus is when we complain when things happen to us that don't please us. You know, once we start complaining, then we're not really accepting that his will be done in our life. And then when that happens, just ask him for the, if, it, if you mess up, just ask him for the grace to do better. All right, does that make sense? That's about all I have today. If you have questions, please email me at Gary at followingthetruth.com. If not, I look forward to joining you back on the show again tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow at um, in the afternoon sometime. So I hope you'll be here. I know I'm going to be here. And I want you to know I'm going to save you a seat at the table. So have a fantastic night. I'm going to be praying for you. Please pray for me too. And God willing, we'll get to do this again tomorrow on Following the Truth. Bye-bye now.